Hey, Rose, do you ever call up Royally Obsessed on Alexa? It's one of the easiest ways to listen to the pod. You can hear our latest episode every week there, thanks to Amazon Music, which has a full catalog of podcasts, including Royally Obsessed. All you have to do is say, Alexa, play Royally Obsessed on Amazon Music. Oh, no, mine is listening to me say that right at this moment. <laughs> a royal reminder, new episodes drop every Thursday. Tune in on Amazon Music. Now, on to the show. And we're back with another special episode of Royally Obsessed to talk all about the big Diana statue unveiling from yesterday. All right, Roberta, set the timer because we're going to try to keep this quick. We're going to get through it fast. We're going to get through it fast. Let's start off. We're going to group this into two portions. One is the actual statue, which we'll be discussing. And then the second is the brothers relationship between William and Harry, how that was. First impressions on the statue. Rachel, go. So I felt like in a lot of ways, this event was everything I was hoping for. I feel like at least for appearances sake, we had a great reunion with William and Harry. I think that the statue overall is a powerful, poignant tribute to Diana. It was a sunny day. There were so many Spencer sightings, which I ended up feeling the edited guest list, the COVID restrictions, whatever role that played. I really felt like it felt incredibly significant and poignant. Those were the people most affected and impacted by her passing. What about you? Did you see they walked up like as outsiders from the palace and they were kind of just like milling about trying to find the entrance they were supposed to go in, which is really it was kind of funny because Jane, Sarah and Charles Spencer were all just caught on camera, like walking around the outside barricades of Kensington Palace, like trying to figure out their way in. And I was like, that feels like so relatable. And just like <laughs> they are kind of like outsiders in a way to the royal family. And so they were like, which entrance do Maybe we go there wasn't to? And like find- a clear traffic director or something. Yeah. And finally, please, guards were like this way, this way. Like as people start gathering around and pulling out their iPhones and everything. But I VIP, yes, for sure. Um, what my first think? impression of the statue, though, I I like it. I think, you know, there's so much pressure on this particular statue and just statues in general mm-hmm. to really rise to the challenge and everyone's expectations. I feel like that's so hard. So I I don't know if I could I mean, I definitely know I couldn't do anything better, but I do think that um, it wasn't as soft or as warm as I would have liked for Diana. I just feel like her warmth and and kindness is something that we hear about so much and and that, you know, needs no description. And, and it's something that just didn't, I felt like personally didn't emulate from the statue. It felt a little bit cold, especially with the green patina and the kind of hard stare that she had and her very kind of stiff upright position I don't know I thought the children was nice though that was but do you feel like that's all statues though in a way like I feel like it's hard because it's like we expect the life that we know of the person and I feel like it's a statue like I think that that's the hard thing and I do think that the green patina is his style yeah well that's and I kind of liked it blended in with the garden which I thought was really lovely yes I thought that that was was really really cool cool. I agree wasn't like it stood out like a sore thumb yeah but yeah let's get into it so first we want to discuss the clothing from the statue so the clothing's from the 1993 Christmas card the first Christmas card that Diana sent without Charles which is significant I think I really like how William and Harry kind of Frankenstein I'm assuming they had a huge uh, obviously we know that they had a huge impact on yeah. the choices that were made, but I like that they kind of, it seems that they chose that moment in Diana's life from 1993 when she was really just beginning her post-royal life. She wasn't officially divorced, but separated. And then the yeah. hair, I mean, the hair is from, it appears, I'm going to send you this link, Roberta. Yes. Yeah, it, it feels like a very 1997 dye. 
I feel like this look from her Red Cross speech in Washington, D.C. Oh, yeah. Is exactly the expression, the exact hair. Exact hair, yeah. But it's almost like, do you feel like that throws it off a little bit, that the hair doesn't mimic the sort of fashion? What do you think? I almost think, I mean, the fashion... I, I kind of like the big belt. It yes. actually is like kind of funny because it feels so 80s, 90s. Like that does feel so on point with the time period. And the hair doesn't bother me as much as this cold kind of stare that yeah. she has in the picture that he modeled after is not the face she would have had with children, which is what she's surrounded by in the statue. So that's why I think it mm. throws me off more yeah. so than the hair being kind of stitched together with a different look. Mm-hmm. I did think the belt, you know, it's a choice and yeah. it's a bold choice, <laughs> bold choice. for sure. Yeah. Um, But it's funny that it does like exactly replicate the Christmas card because I think when you send out Christmas cards and I feel like this is universal, like that is how you want the world to see you. And so I think that that's a special nod to how Diana would have wanted to be seen is how she was in her Christmas card. So I think that that's kind of lovely in a way. It's like if our mom had any say in this, it would have been this Christmas card that she sends to all her friends (laughs) post-separation where she's like, look at me, I'm a single mom now. Like, I just think that that Well, it's a new beginning for her and it's the moment in her life when charities really became her number one focus too. So I like that. I just, I think what I mean when I say that they Frankensteined it together is just that they really cherry-picked these significant times in her life. Like the speech she gave at the Red Cross, if the hair was mimicking that event, which I feel like it looks kind of exact and a lot yeah, of people does, pick that up. Does. She was talking about landmines and and so I'm curious how they picked and chose, you know, we all know that like what people wear, how they, do, you know, with the royals, it's so significant. I'm curious yeah. how that played a role in what Harry, the choices Harry and William made. Well, let's get into that because I think the sculptor afterward gave a little speech and, and mentioned that Harry and William really had a big part in this. So um, one thing he said that I liked, I pulled out, he said, this is Ian Rank Broadley, who's mm-hmm. a sculptor. He said, I think that their mother is there in a real physical sense. Perhaps in the evening when the grounds are shut, they could easily come here for a moment of quiet reflection. And I hope that will give them some sort of comfort or solace. He said, in many ways, it was a collaborative effort. They made a huge contribution. In many ways, I could say the sculpture belongs belongs to them as well. They helped make it. He says that they, the brothers throughout the entire process shared anecdotes, photographs, private moments about their mother, reminiscings of Diana. They said they visited the studio at all different stages of the process and were well aware of how it was progressing. Another moment they described their mother and in many ways there were private moments where they got the feeling she was enormous amount of fun and loved playing jokes. I thought that was just, it's like, Harry and William really had more of an involvement than I ever thought. Did you realize this? No. And, you know, I I feel like I'm making us jump all around, but it did make me reflect on I, – I can only imagine that they've had a number of Zoom calls together, the three of them, with the sculptor over the last year and a half because yeah. they were so connected to this project and they wanted to make sure that they got it right. So I feel like it makes me just kind of guess at what we don't know, you know, goes on behind the scenes with their conversations and how much they're regularly in touch because they have to be. Right. And I do love that they're kind of in the statue in a way. So on the side, it says unveiled by her sons, which I thought was really sweet. But it doesn't it. Yeah, it's so sweet, but it doesn't say their names, which a lot of people point out, which is actually so kind of kind to take themselves out of 
it's not about them. It's about her. And so it's not like unveiled by Prince Harry and Prince William. It's it's very much still about her. It's her sons that were there. And so I think that that was really sweet. And it, and they're in the Christmas card too, which yeah. is like, a, you know, a well, it was the first year they well. sent out separate ones. And I, but I do also like how timeless, like you think about it, a statue hopefully will be there for centuries, you know? So it's yeah. like, that's kind of cool to think about that for someone that doesn't even ever experience Diana or William and Harry, this will be the legacy that Diana has. Totally. Oh, I love the poem too. Yes, please read that. Come on. Okay. I mean, we got to include it. Okay. All right. These are the units to measure the worth of this woman as a woman, regardless of birth. Not what was her station, but had she a heart? How did she play her God-given part? I like want that framed in my bedroom. Like, I think that's just such a good, I mean, what a wonderful way to capture Diana, but just also how we can kind of self-reflect on that too. Can I I mention one more thing? I just want to say the kids, because my initial reaction when I saw the photos, because you first saw like from a distance, I was like, it's William and Harry. Did you have that response? I saw that. I I think I just noticed that it was a girl right away, but I was I was a little weirded out how old the girl looks. Like it looks like they took someone like a grown woman's face and put it on a girl. Did you think that? I don't feel like I studied it close enough. The kids. I was like so focused on Diana that I didn't look as closely at the kids. <laughs> I, mean, I didn't know there were three until like the end of the day yesterday when I was like, whoa, that's a different view. And there's three kids. And I was just so weirded out by the hand from the front. You can see it looks like she has three limbs, which oh. I was like, that's a bit weird. But I guess from every angle in the garden, it looks looks kind of striking so I think that that might be the the point but then I thought oh is it Charlotte as a teenager? I feel is like that was the initial George reaction Charlotte right you Louis? thought it was like yeah. part of like the family members but I did really like that you know it's very clearly diverse it's you know a black yeah. boy a little girl I think it just really shows Diana's universality in statue form yeah. like I just yeah I love why the inclusion are two of barefoot kids. why are two of the kids barefoot this is what I'm confused about. well I feel like it shows like just you know how many communities and places that she touched, you know, it's not necessarily the formality of like, I think that it's, it's showing the, all the different, all the different, yeah, visit places she's visited and culturally, like, I, I don't know. I, I liked that, um, that inclusion. That was a surprise to me that it wasn't just a statue of her. Yeah. And I I did, I guess my first impression was like, oh, it must be Harry and William there. Yeah. That's what I thought from a distance. Right, but the more I thought about it, it's like that would be weird. It would be. Your it would be childhood so weird. self, you no. know, in sculpture form. So I'm, I'm glad that they. That would have been another that. choice. Yeah, <laughs> that's a choice. Okay, moving on. So we need to talk about the brothers, William and Harry. I mean, overall, they seem to be laughing, chatting. The reports from UK tabloids said that they had been texting previously about England's big soccer win. Um, what What do you think, Rachel? What, what Well, I what just I think I wanted to ask you because you think that there was the impact of having one photographer. Like it makes I think it's important that it wasn't the royal rota. We know the impact that had on Diana's life, but I feel like we got to see relaxed Harry and William. Like Harry yeah. was beaming. And they just seemed so much more at ease without a million cameras around them and in general they did a really good job. You know, they knew the eyes of the world were on them and yeah. there was no expressions to read, you know, lip readers, body language experts. I don't feel like there was a lot of material here. What did you what about you? What did you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it, almost Harry was in like a jokey yes. mood, which is a little it was a little weird for such a somber ceremony. At first I thought it was 
totally fine because all the pictures, I mean, it's lovely to see them laughing as brothers again. I think that there's that one picture that keeps getting shared of them when they're not even in the garden yet. They're kind of walking down that pathway. And and it's just like, oh, that feels so good to see them together again. But then you almost think like, how much of this is part of the show? Because I do know, I mean, from what we read, Harry got there 15 minutes before. He left 15 minutes after it was over. He stayed for one glass of champagne quickly. They had like a little post unveiling champagne moment. And on some Kensington Palace balcony. And he was there for only a total of 90 minutes. Mm. And now I guess he's back in America. Is that right? Yeah, well, so there was a report that Meghan's uncle passed away. And so he went back pretty quickly. So he, um, it's Thomas Markle's older brother. He was 82 and had Parkinson's. And he was the one that I guess got... Megan, her American embassy internship in Argentina when she was 20. Oh, right. So he kind of, I think that was a reason for him to make a quicker than planned exit. But, you know, he's definitely en route back to L.A., like yeah. we're there now based on our record time. <laughs> I don't want to be pessimistic. I don't want to be like, it's, I know I'm, nothing's I'm like, changed no, between no. the brothers. <laughs> but, but they did give a joint statement instead of separate great. speeches, which was That a was a change to the plan. It was definitely a change to the plan. I feel like they were supposed to give separate speeches. Harry just, he is so happy to see his aunts and uncles, which I thought was really cute. Like the proud aunt moment from Lady Jane and Lady Sarah are just really sweet. And yes. even that shoulder shimmy moment. Oh my gosh, that went the viral. shoulder shimmy and the little faux double kiss. I loved that. I it's actually, really it made sweet. me really think about like what the influence of Charles, Spencer, Sarah, and Jane is on the brothers' lives. Like they're clearly so close and have like a, you know, genuine a affection yeah, and yeah. bond. And, you know, I'm just curious what the influence has been on. William and Harry's relationship during the past year and a half. Like, are they counseling them? Like, what is going on with that? Because they definitely are close. I mean, I don't want to take it too far, like the body language experts or the lip readers or anything, but I do think that there must have been some kind of conversation about Lilibet, baby Lilibet, because she, there's at one point where one of his aunts puts her hand, both hands to her face, to her cheeks, and is smiling so big at, at Harry. And it's like, he just told her something about his new baby daughter Aww. that just like <laughs> makes her beam. I don't know. It just was so sweet to see them interact because it has, they're they're probably like, welcome back to the UK. We missed you. I you know, know, so that's just, it's, it's kind of bittersweet. I mean, there's been so little reunions because of the pandemic too. Yeah. Who knows if they got to see each other when Prince Philip passed away. Right. And I yeah. do, I did do a lip reading of when Harry cups his hands over his mouth and he goes can you see it it from that far away yelling to his (laughs) his aunts and uncle I thought that was really funny but we hear so much about Harry like missing the old Harry and I feel like this event you've I felt like it was the old Harry where he seems really comfortable in his skin really happy and genuine and and William seemed the same like I that's not against you know they just seemed at ease with each other I did love whoever staged the shot of the brothers like looking up and with Diana between them I just felt like that was just a very poignant moment but a serious thing we need to talk about, Roberta. One serious thing. What is thing. it? Oh, gosh. The brother's hairlines. <gasps> <laughs> the bald spots. It's bad. It was like mirror images. Like you're like, yep, same family, same hairline. It was- <laughs> it's all from Charles. You're like, Diana has a full head of hair. His, yeah, his yeah. aunts and uncle have a full head of hair. Like yeah. it is definitely. Yeah, Charles Spencer does. You're right. You're that right. gene is dominant in the <laughs> Windsor clan. Well, and because- I think you don't always see it with Harry because it's different. Like, hair, you know, William from the front, you can kind of tell. But, you know, not Is it time Harry. for them to get a shave? Is it time to just I mean, go bald? I mean, I'm here up. for that. Stanley Tucci, embrace it, guys. Oh, come on. gosh. Stanley Tucci. Okay, so do we think that – I just want to final, like, draw a line under this. Do we think 
they worked things out. I mean, it's hard. It's so hard to tell. This is obviously just conjecture. But like, what do we think is the status right now? I personally think it's just going to be an ongoing thing. But I do think there's value in an event like this, bringing them together to be like, we have to just clear the air, put everything behind us and all of that drama on pause because this is about Diana. And I think that that in itself kind of can reset things. What about you? I think part of this is that with Harry leaving, you know, arriving so soon before it starts and leaving so soon after, I just think he misses Megan for one. It's mm-hmm. it's a remind. I mean, be, being in Kensington Sunken Garden is a reminder of his mom, but it's also a reminder of Megan. I mean, that's where their engagement yeah. photo call was. So I do think that, you know, in a lot of ways, and I I, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like a lot of times when I'm at an event and Dave's not there, like you really are texting your significant other, like oh, I wish you were here. It's just someone to talk to. It's someone to lean on. And I think that for. Harry especially Megan is his strength in that way and same for William I mean him and Kate have such a you know good rapport at every event too and and um so I just think that that's hard to not be with their person in such a in a stressful kind of moment where you know everyone's putting this pressure on you to make appearances look okay and make everything seem fine. And and all you want is that other person there, your significant other. So I think that that might have been tough. Yeah. Can I quote a, f- yeah. a line from my favorite Richard Gere, Susan Sarandon movie oh, called Shall We Dance? <laughs> it is one of my favorite things about relationships where she describes it as, you know, love in a, in a very important way is you want a witness to your life. And that I probably saw that movie like 20 years ago. Who knows? <laughs> I love that you could quote but, it. But I think about it all the time it's because so, so much when you're in a relationship is like you want that immediate like this is what happened and like you got to understand this like that's what is really cool. And I think to not have Megan there and Kate, which was important. I liked the visual yeah. of just the brothers. I think that it actually um, I'm sure he misses her desperately. Yeah. That reminds me too that quote of a quote about Diana that was like she wanted to be surveyed but not surveilled and I think yes. she loved having people around she loved having um, you know doing all these humanitarian causes which is what this statue really is trying to highlight is that later portion of her life where she would have been this person who maybe even started her own foundation who had you know had been patron of over 100 charities who would have continued that work well into her post-divorce life Um she loved people. She didn't like the cameras mm-hmm. and the media and all of that. And I think, um, you know, that's that's an important distinction. So Yeah, I but. think overall they did a great job. Yeah. I think that it's something that they can be really proud of. And I really can't wait to kind of make it over there and look at the sunken garden. And it's also been redesigned. There's a hundred forget-me-nots now planted. I'm just really excited. And yeah, I feel like there's so much to come. It's going to be weird to have a week off for I can't wait to see it in person. I, I, I think my perception of it will change in person. I think, you know, I think I'll feel the presence of it and then maybe I, I well, do there like were even it, some close up shots that I feel like when you can see the detail, I sometimes just think it's a situation where a photo can't do it justice. That's you true. need to see That's... all the different angles of a statue, that kind of thing to exactly. really see the expression. Exactly. All right. We're wrapping this up. So this was our special Diana statue unveiling episode. Next week, we have a very special holiday week episode planned for after the 4th of July with Noah Rothbaum, who's the drinks editor at the Daily Beast. He's also host of Life Behind Bars podcast and we are chatting with him all about the Royals' drinking habits, their favorite cocktails, the best British bars. It's such a fun, good episode. We already recorded it. Rachel, 
Anything to add there? I mean, he's going to change your life with what to do with sparkling wine. Like, I feel like I learned <laughs> so much. It just is going to just, yeah, rock your Blow world. You your have mind. to check it out. Yeah. And talking about, I, I think it's the most fun to talk about the Royals' favorite cocktails. Like, that yes. to me oh, was just so The crack baby. We're going to get into baby. the crack baby. Yes. <laughs> you cannot miss this episode. So tune but in But I'm next sad to week. take a week off. I just want to be clear. I'm going to miss her bird. I'm going to miss all the Roros. But also just, it's hard to, I'm just going to relax, but. You know, I want to talk about all the royal things. I know. Well, hopefully anyone who has 4th of July plans, I hope you have a safe and happy and healthy 4th of July. I'm so excited for the week off. I'll be texting you furiously, You have a wonderful 4th of July. (laughs) We'll be texting furiously about any royal event. Yeah. Kate at Wimbledon. But anything. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Till next week. God God save the pod. Her Majesties of Royally Obsessed have retired for this episode. God save the pod. And if you fancy the podcast, give Royally Obsessed the royal rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Royally Obsessed is a gallery podcast production.